0: Hello everyone and welcome to our podcast. This is Pastor Mike with the Aliante Community Baptist Church. We invite you, your family, and friends to join us as we study God's Word. So, let's begin. All right, we'd like you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Revelation as we continue our study in the book of Revelation, the message of Revelation to the seven churches. And today we're looking at Church of Pergamos. So, Revelation chapter 2 and verses 12 through 27. Now, we've looked at uh, Ephesians okay. and we've looked at Smyrna last week. And Smyrna, if you'll recall, is derived from the Greek word for myrrh. Myrrh, which symbolizes suffering, persecution, death. And it was a spice that was used to, to basically anoint the body of a dead person and the myrrh, or rather Smyrna, was the capital of the Middle East at that time, where merchants from all over the Middle East and even from Europe would travel to Smyrna to purchase myrrh, this this spice. myrrh. Today we're looking at Pergamos and so we're going to begin there at verse 12 in the second chapter in the book of Revelation. And to the angel of the church in Pergamus write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast to my name, and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. This you also have with those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat and I will give him a white stone and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Father, we ask your blessing. We ask that you, by your Holy Spirit, teach us today. And may we, O Lord, submit our hearts. For if we submit our hearts to you, then our lives will be submitted as well. May we serve you faithfully, like Antipas. In this day and age in which we live, the message here to the church in Pergamos is relevant for us today. We pray that as Christians, as your children, that our eyes will be open, that our ears will hear the message that you have for us. And we thank you, Lord, again, for your great love. We pray in thy name, Lord Jesus, amen. amen. Pergamus, located on the western coast, if you will, of, of the modern country of Turkey. Actually, it's about 20 miles inland off of the Aegean Sea and about 50 miles north of the city of Smyrna. And you'll recall that Smyrna is about 24, 25 miles north of Ephesus. And uh, Pergamos is a, uh, currently, it's an archaeologist's you know, treasure trove of, of uh, artifacts, and other things from ancient times. In the first century, though, Pergamus was a the religious capital of Asia Minor. Now, religion, you know, a lot of people like to talk about religion, but it's not religion that will save a person. Make no mistake about it, it is not religion that saves a person. Only Christ, only the Lord Jesus Christ, saves an individual soul. Amen. Only Jesus. Amen. Religion has been the cause for millions, if not billions of people, going to hell. So is the case there in the city of Pergamos. Idol worship. All of the various... Pantheon of gods, and the different from both the Romans and the Greeks, and all of these different temples were there to Zeus and Minerva, and on and on and on. And you'll be interested in knowing this, because you'll notice that even today the doctors still wear on their, you know, their gowns. Some of them have the pin, but they have the symbol of Ascle- uh, Asclepius. <laughs> Get that out. Which is that that pole with the serpent wrapped around him. You. you see, because in Pergamus there was a temple dedicated to that idol, to that false god. Might be surprising to you, they worshiped the god, the false god of healing. And even today, doctors take an oath to that same false god. Surprising, isn't it? As a matter of fact, in Pergamos, uh, they had what is called the Agora, or the Marketplace. And for anyone to purchase or to be able to trade in that Marketplace, as they came into one of the gates that led into the Marketplace, they would have to take a little pinch of of salt, because, you know, salt was considered... um, a, a wealthy commodity or a, pr- a very a precious commodity in ancient times. And so you, you've heard the phrase, a person who's worth their salt. That's because salt was a precious commodity. But they would have to take a pinch of this salt and then put it in a container that was there and then in so doing recite, Caesar is Lord. Because Pergamos was also the center of emperor worship. The emperors, the Roman emperors wanted to be worshipped as deity. And so you see, the Christians and the Jews struggled with this. However, the Jews had a more favorable relationship, and so the emperor actually (coughs) exempted them from having to say that, but the Christians were considered illegitimate and were not exempt. And so they were persecuted and they were punished if they refused to acknowledge or to say Caesar is Lord. And this one that uh, the Lord mentions here, Antipas, like the gentleman that we we discussed last week, Polycarp. Antipas was a faithful servant of the Lord, and he refused. He refused, outwardly refused, to renounce Christ or to acknowledge that Caesar was Lord. And so, he was martyred. He was killed for his faith in the Lord. But he remained faithful to the Lord. Now, the date of establishment, sometime in the first century A.D., and uh, the congregational membership, it was a mixed congregation of both Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians. And the Gentiles were made up of the, the Greeks, the Macedonians, the Romans, you name it. And then, over time, the church there in Pergamos developed a, relate, a, a reputation. And it was not a good reputation. It was a, a negative reputation considered the compromising church oh and we have many compromising churches today we mentioned last week how that in some of the churches and some of the denominations they will no longer sing the hymns that have reference to the blood of Christ well the Bible teaches that without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness there there is no remission of sin You can't be forgiven eternally without the death of Christ our Lord. There is but one way, only one way to be saved, and that is through Jesus Christ. And to believe in him is to believe in his death and burial and resurrection, ascension and return. That's the Christ in whom we believe. Pergamos, it's uh, the word actually, if you separate it from the prefix, the the per, gamos actually means to wed or to marry. And in this case, it carries, carries the understanding of a church that has become wedded with the world. And for many scholars, it pertains to the period of time in the history of the Christian church beginning with Constantine, who was an emperor in Rome. He was a general, and upon the death of the previous emperor, he was this powerful, mighty general, and because he won a particular battle, having supposedly seen a vision of a burning cross, and that in this sign, conquer, that he went forth and he won this victorious battle. And so, He became the next emperor and as a result he then adopted Christianity as the state religion it became the religion of Rome and so the church became wedded with the state nothing more dangerous than the church being wedded to the state and so Pergamos, the married church. Now, you've heard of polygamy, right? And bigamy, that gamy, from Pergamos, gamos, from the Greek word gamos, which means to wed. And it can be used in several different ways. But we move on. Now notice from whom the message comes. The message comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's described as he who has the sharp, two-edged sword. There in verses 12 and 13. And he says, I know your works. Remember that there is nothing hidden from God. Everything in our lives, everything about us, every thought, every single moment of our lives is known to God. And here's the tremendous news. In spite of all of that, God still loves us. <laughs> right? Yeah, he loves us with an eternal love, with a perfect love. And we mentioned on Wednesday night, oftentimes people will come out to church because they think that by, by coming to church, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll please God. And yes, it is pleasing to God for us to come to church. But but then they look for a little bit more, and they think, well, maybe God will love them a little bit more. And when they're out and they do something that they know is not right, they think that maybe God loves them a little less. No, that's not correct. Yes, we can please God, and we can displease God, but God's love is perfect. He'll never love us any more than he already loves us nor will he love us any less because his love is perfect and his love is not based upon our goodness or our worthiness it's based upon his nature the scripture says beloved let us love one another for love is of god and love and god is love god loves us with a perfect love unconditional he says, I know your works. And then he goes on and he says, and I know where you dwell. I know where you're located. Located right where Satan's throne is. Now some translations, they, they, they soften it and they put where Satan's seat is. But remember that, that Satan was once the most beautiful of all the angels, but his desire was to take the place of God and he was thrown out. And he's established his throne here upon the earth, together with one-third of the heavenly host that he took with him, that is, of the angelic host. And the Bible refers to them as demons. You now, people say, well, we're, you know, we've advanced. We've progressed beyond that. We've become educated And we realize that, that, that demons don't exist. Well, they're wrong. They are wrong. The Bible teaches that demons do, in fact, exist. The army of evil and Pergamos was a church that was located right in the city, right in the very place where Satan had his throne. Yeah. Evil, wickedness, where Satan's throne is. Zeus and the other idol temples and so Well, they even had a a library there. They boasted over 200,000 volumes in this library. You know, the more uh, more excavations and archaeological digs that are done, the more and more we realize that ancient people weren't as ignorant as we once first thought. They were very literate. And very religious but you see the religion of Pergamos or the various religions well they did things that I I don't feel comfortable mentioning in their worship services but notice what Jesus says he does compliment them he says you hold fast to my name so they continue to proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus they continue to proclaim him as the savior the son of god and we as god's church are to continue to lift up and to exalt his name and we mentioned antipas he was martyred for his faithfulness but notice that as he says here i know your works he also knew him he knew antipas personally as he knows each one of us personally. Now, he goes on, though, after that commendation and he says, I have a few things against you. The doctrine of Balaam. Well, we don't have time to to really go through those three chapters, chapters in the book of Numbers, 22 through 25, but basically the king of the Moabites, Balak, wanted Balaam, who was a prophet, to put a curse on the children of Israel as they, were, they had you know, left Egypt and they were on their way to the Promised Land. And, you know, the Lord watched over them. And this, this Balaam was hired by King Balak of the Moabites to curse the children of Israel. But the Lord basically put a stop to them and this is the story of the, the talking donkey. You remember that? <laughs> the donkey, and he was beating the donkey. And then and then uh, he spoke to the to the donkey, and the donkey spoke back. <laughs> because the Lord had put an angel there to slay him. Well, as time goes on, because Balaam wanted to be paid. See, the king of Moab, had promised him all this money and so you know he's scratching his head thinking what what can we do what can we do Oh, I know so what does he tell the the king of, of the Moabites right? he says this is what you can do he says, I can't I can't curse them you know because the Lord has blessed them but if you do this if you get the women from 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 Moab to seductively dance before them, the men will fall. And that's what they did. That's why the Bible says we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, because the unbeliever will change the heart of the believer toward God. That's what happened to Solomon. Of all the men in the Bible, considered the wisest, he was the wisest fool A thousand wives and the Bible says they turned his heart away from the Lord and he began to to build he built for them shrines and places little temples idol worship of their false gods but he taught them that and he also taught them to sacrifice they sacrificed to these idols And as a result of that, Israel, the nation of Israel, the people of Israel, God's people suffered over and over and over again. And that's why all through the scripture, even in the book of Hosea, they're called an adulteress. Why? Because they left their, their first love, God, to worship idols. That is what was happening in Pergamos that's what's happening all across our country and around the world, sexual immorality. We've mentioned this before, we'll continue to mention it. Just because a government passes a law and makes something legal does not make it moral, does not make it right. And we've said this before, God is not confused about male and female. He is not confused, and we are not confused about it. You have the, the biological sciences that agree. The story is told of this, this doctor that was teaching a class, and then some, some folks got upset because he wouldn't use certain pronouns, etc. And he said, well, no, biologically, scientifically speaking, there is a male and a female. And that's what they are. Now, science is supposed to be in pursuit of truth. Isn't that right? And the current president talking about trusting the science. <laughs> I trust in God. And God's people are to trust in God. Amen. Understand that? There is a difference there is a difference now as Christians we're supposed to be obedient citizens insomuch that the laws do not violate the scripture but you see in Pergamos there were those Christians who were spineless because they belonged to a particular group a particular party and they wanted to have you know their their feet in both camps They wanted to be able to trade in the market. They wanted to be able to enjoy all of that. And so they would give in They said, well, it's not not so bad, you know. And, you know, these two guys who want to get married, well, that's their business. It's not really my business. And, you know, this lady who wants to have, you know, seven abortions, well, that's her business. That's not mine. Oh, and it's okay if they if they just want to live together. They don't really have to be married. Well, they're they're married in the eyes of God. Now, that's not what my Bible says. And I've told you before, when I was teaching at the university, and we we're I, I forget the subject, but it came. It had to do with, um, it had to do with, with uh, financial challenges that certain people face. And it's one said well what's this lady supposed to do she's got you know five kids and she's not married I said well this is what this is what she needs to do she needs to keep her legs closed (laughs) (laughs) and she never should have opened them to begin but see the state the state has made it attractive for people to be immoral and to be lazy Just last night I was reading with my granddaughter where Jesus talked about, and listen to this now, he gave one five talents, another one two talents, another one one talent, according to their capacity. In other words, according to their ability. Oh, what do you mean not everybody's equal? You see? That whole whole idea of equality has been misrepresented I guarantee you not everybody can sing like uh, Luciano Pavarotti. <coughs> yeah. And in the final analysis with, of what we were reading, you, you recall, the one that had five made five more, the one that had two made two more, the one that had one went and buried it in the sand. And what was he called? He was called a lazy, irresponsible servant. We're to be industrious. Absolutely. But we're not to be involved in sexual immorality. And then there's a doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And scholars go back and forth on all of this. But notice he says, which thing I hate. Now, when something, when, when the Lord comes right out and says, it's something I hate, we, we really ought to take notice of it. Some say, well, it, 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 it seems to be consistent with the doctrine of Balaam. But if it were, he would have included it in the same font, yes? So it has to be something else. Well, so we look at the word itself. Nico means in, uh, in Greek. We actually know, you've heard of the Nike, right? The big brand, yeah? That's Greek. N-I-K-E, that's Greek. It means victory. You know, like the Olympics. The of <laughs> victory. The agony. That comes from Greek. It is Greek, and it means victory. And then Laos, L-A-O-S, means the people. Nikolaos, the conqueror of the people. You hear it? And so the Nicolaitans, this idea of the church being wedded to the state. Well, what eventually happened when the church became the Church of Rome? oh now you have the priestly class you have the priests and the bishops and the cardinals and the papa that's what he was called at one time there were five papas but the papa in rome became the main one well guess what that papa that pope is a sinner like you and me and without christ as his savior he will die and go to hell too like any person who doesn't know jesus as savior it was the idea that there was a a clerical class a clergy who were then over the laity the common people no not supposed to be that way yes the bible teaches that there are, there are ministers pastors etc but over in the book of first of peter it says we are the priests of god we are all priests of god we have differing gifts differing responsibilities But we are all the priests of the Lord. We are God's people. And you can read that over in the book of Peter, 1 Peter. Now, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Our Lord Jesus is the Lord of all people. And notice what he says here, repent. Repent or else. I will come to you. Accountability and judgment. Accountability. Never make the mistake of thinking that you can live your life just any old way you want to because it's your life. No, the Bible teaches that you're not your own. Your life does not belong to you. You say, what? That's what the Bible teaches. Your life does not belong to you. It belongs to God. We have been bought and paid for by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we belong to Him. Our lives belong to Him. He says, I will come to you and I will hold you accountable. Basically, He's saying, if you do not stand up for me, I will come to you. And he says, I will fight with those who disagree. The sword of my mouth, what is it? Well, over in the book of Ephesians, we're told to take with us, to to basically to be armed with the armory of God, the armor of God, and to take with us the sword of the Spirit, which is what? Which is the Word of God. Now, there are all these these people and all of these professors and all these intellectuals whose life goal is to undermine the authority and the truth and the integrity of the scripture. God's word is infallible, that is, without error. God's message to us is perfect, but the world refuses to accept it. And sadly, so many in the church refuse to accept it. We, we know, just a few years ago, the Methodist Church. Why was the Methodist Church split in two? Because there were those, half of, of the Methodist denomination, that believed that same-sex marriage was okay, and it was okay to ordain homosexuals. Guess what? It is not. That is sinful, that's wrong. You say, well, uh, who, who makes you the judge? I'm not the judge. Christ is the judge and he says that all that is wrong that it's sinful now does that mean then that, that we shouldn't care for those people or that we shouldn't pray for them? yes we should care for them we should love them we should pray for them and pray that they'll come to know the Lord as their Savior but we never agree we never say that it's okay no it is not okay it is wrong it is simple and we as God's church His people are to proclaim that over and over and over and over again. The sword of my mouth is the word of God. He who has an ear, that's spiritual discernment, the ability to hear, to hear from God's perspective. There are so many voices shouting today. So many people and so many organizations that have certain philosophies and positions and they want you to accept those and if if you don't you're a bigot if you don't you're a racist the hidden man. well we're out of time i need to stop here so we'll continue this message next week and then we'll add uh, we'll add to it but the question today is what is the condition of your faith? Where do you stand? Are you, are you wedded to the world? Are you willing to give up your own opinions for the truth of God's holy word? For the truth In the name of the Lord Jesus. We're going to sing hymn. have thine own way. Maybe you're here today and you don't know when you die that you're gonna go to be with him in heaven. The Bible says you can know, K-N-O-W, by placing your faith in him. You say, well, I've, I've done some terrible things in my life. Well, guess what? I have too and so have the rest of these respectable sinners. They've all done, we've all done things that we're ashamed of. But as we mentioned earlier, God loves us in spite of all of that. You come. You walk down that aisle. Don't be one who denies. Don't be one who's afraid to walk down the aisle to give your heart to the Lord. As we sing, you come and give your heart to the Lord. Let's stand, please. And let's sing.